Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. Praise the Lord. We just ask God to help this to find a place in our heart. Talked about it a little bit uh, lately in a couple of different services. So I'm not just running out of things to talk about, but I just kept being drawn back to this passage of Scripture today. And so I'm just going to follow the leading of the Lord. Hebrews 2 The Bible says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Amen. So we ought to hold on. The Bible says in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect this? When I think about um, church today and versus church decades ago, And not only decades ago in America, but how church even now in some countries, it is such an incredible chore of real effort just to be in church. I'm going to say this to apply any guilt to anyone. It's not that kind of a statement, but it's just a factual statement of how many people all around the world are walking to church many miles, and uh, they're not coming into air-conditioned buildings, of course. So when I think about Hebrews chapter 2, I certainly think when I think about that in the context of, for us, you and I, in the country in which we live, how accessible God is to us. Amen. How many people own more than one Bible? Amen. Just the Word of God. It's everywhere. And and that's not even counting the, the number of Bibles that would be on a handheld device or a computer. And uh, we have such access to the Word of God and to the house of God and to the things of God. I mean, we have, I know you're standing, but I'm going to be standing long after you're seated. <laughs> we have access to camp meetings and our children, our young people are in a tremendous conference tonight that, who, that some in this building didn't think you'd live long enough to even think or hear about something on this scale or magnitude. And so how shall we escape? How shall we? Maybe we should ask ourselves, how am I going to escape if I neglect what God has brought so readily accessible into my life? Amen. With that said, I want to just talk about the danger of drifting. I know I've mentioned that a little bit in a few services, but I just want to talk about it again tonight. 
Amen. And you can be seated. Let's just go into the word of the Lord with an open mind. Amen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The word neglect doesn't carry with it a connotation of opposition or even resistance. Um, it's just the lack of doing nothing. You have to be opposed to something. You have to be in a combat about something. And I think because of that, people find it hard to understand that how dangerous it is just to do nothing. And we understand, or we at least should understand, that I, I like to try to envision at least my walk with God as being in a river. <laughs> and if I'm going to make any forward progress, i got to have to understand that the world I'm in is pulling me in one direction. And so I must, with everything within, <coughs> with everything within me, thrust myself against that momentum that's pulling me back. We would be foolish and very shallow to think anything less than that. You can have your own illustration, but there is a constant pull. The river doesn't just wake up when we drive by to watch it idly go by. Tonight when we're sound asleep, that river's still going to be heading south and millions of gallons a moment is going to be pouring into the gulf and there is a consistent pull and that is, it is just so in the spirit realm. And there is a consistent pull. And so if we don't resist the things that come to us, then we are going in the wrong direction. Things that I believe happen in the spiritual realm are just a reflection of the things that go on in our daily lives. And so if we think about it spiritually, we can compare that to natural things, If a natural relationship. If you don't work at that, that relationship will suffer. It will, in, in time, it will fall apart. You've got to cultivate relationships. You don't have to sow uh, poison into a garden for it to, in order for it to be overcome. You just neglect it. You just don't tend to it. And the things of this world, the encroachments of this world will take care of that. A house will just crumble down around you if you don't maintain it. There's a a saying that's more than just a saying that neglect is worse than abuse. In many cases, that is true. Not long ago, I stopped by an old farm. It had been a working farm for many, many decades. It was a place where a farm where cows were raised and, and hogs were raised, where crops had been grown and harvested. But somewhere through the course of time and a long tale of events, the entire farm has been neglected. I walked along and I looked at the old home place and the barns and even some old equipment that had been left there that has just been there for decades now. My mind was free to wonder. It was a, a kind of a cool evening and, and uh, my mind was just free to wonder about the days and the decades past. As I walked along, I saw... The old tobacco barn, it's not in good shape anymore. But as I stood there and looked at that old tobacco barn, I just thought of the thousands of stories of countless summers that could be told. Summers that people spent climbing all throughout its lofty rafters hanging those tobacco leaves. There's an old steel-wheeled tractor now has weeds and almost trees growing up around it. 
I stood and stared at that old tractor for a few moments and I wondered what would happen and, and I'm not trying to be silly tonight but I just wondered what, what would happen if you could somehow coax that old machine back to life not just life as a tractor but if you could animate that tractor and just get it to tell us a few stories it helped getting one crop into the barn just in time to start plowing another field in preparation for the next the old hay barn had probably been the envy of some neighbors back in the day but now it stands falling apart the old home, the actual home that had once offered peace and solitude was now showing significant signs of suffering the ceiling had fallen in, the windows were broken. It was, in truth, a sad state of affairs. I peered through one of the broken windows and I saw the old kitchen. There would be no way of knowing how many meals had been prepared in that old kitchen. Who would ever know the mouths that had been fed from that most simple little workspace where a farmer's wife stood day in and day out, not just preparing meals for her and her husband and family, but preparing meals for all those that worked on their farm. Yet today, years of neglect cast a dreary shadow over decades past. All of that happened very slowly, but very surely. It didn't hurt to not mow the yard one week and maybe a month, but in time, it wasn't just grass growing, but now trees are growing. It's completely inaccessible. And so if tangible things that once held great value can be brought to near nothing through neglect, how much more would that principle apply to you and I spiritually? Solomon addressed this in the 24th chapter of Proverbs when he said, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. It doesn't take much. It just seems innocent in its beginnings, but... It can end up very, very uh, far from where it all started. Just a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. The wise man was so careful to insert those words to, to say it's just started off small. It was just a small thing. I would dare say there are more than a few in this building that could say that prior to your life, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost that you can relate to just a little bit of something leading so far away from what you ever dreamed would be possible in your life. You find someone in the pit of despair and if you could stop them and if you could have a conversation with them and if you could somehow reach a, a, a plane of, of absolute and sheer honesty, I can tell you that the homeless man as a young man never envisioned himself living on the street. The homeless woman as a young girl never envisioned herself living under a bridge. That, that was never on the radar of their hopes and dreams and ideas of what life would have to offer. It just started out little by little by little. And so it's the same way in the things of God. Just a little bit of neglect, a little bit of drifting. You know, it's not, doesn't seem like at least that's as disastrous as open rebellion. Someone that just says, I'm not going to. And they shake their fists and they, and they are very demonstrative in their approach. But you see, drifting can be just as disastrous. It's just a little more slow, a little more subtle. We don't need to be active in our rejection of the gospel to be in danger. We can just reject it a little bit and a little by a little, by little and we can still come to church and just not 
just not receive what's being said. I was reading in the book of Ezekiel and don't want to uh, get into that too much tonight, but but if you continue to read through the book of Ezekiel, the Bible talks about those that enjoyed hearing Ezekiel speak and those that enjoyed hearing him sing and those that enjoyed him uh, playing musical instruments. But he said, but the, but the writer said, but they will not hear you. You've just become entertainment to them. Amen. Just here, that's where we are in the world that we're living in. Whether we want to admit that or not, it's exactly where we are. And so we don't have to actively reject the gospel in order to find ourselves in trouble. We can just neglect. And if you just don't care for some things, if you just don't tend to the, some things, we can find ourselves in embarrassing situations. Several years ago, I, I read a, a, a little illustration that was given by a man by the name of J. Vernon McGee he told the story as though he were standing there and that's how it's implied and so that's how I'll share it. He said right before World War II, the city of Pasadena was having its annual rose parade. The float that was entered by the Standard Oil Company was covered with American Beauty roses. It was a sight to behold. The theme, the overall theme of the parade was just two words, be prepared, be prepared. And right in the middle of the parade, the Standard Oil Company's float ran out of gas. If there was one float <laughs> in the entire parade that should not have run out of gas, it was Standard Oil's float. They should have had plenty of gas. So we think, how horrifying. Can you imagine the meeting after that? <laughs> Can you imagine that following day meeting what a striking picture of too many people today that are in relationship with the church. They have beauty but no power. There's something there. But you see, what really matters underneath is absent because it's just a little folding of the hands, a little slumber, a little sleep. Luke, in, uh, in uh, chapter 24, and verse 49, records these words, But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued. The word endued means clothed until you are clothed with power from on high. And so if we neglect our spiritual maintenance, amen, we may have the outward appearance and we may have all of the, 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 the snapshots of being what we should be, but if it's not really inside of us when it's game day. You see, you can have on the uniform but not really know the plays when they're called. You can, you can have on the uniform, you can be on the bench, and you can be on the team and be oblivious to what's really going on in the heart of things. And so I'll tell you today, I don't want to just look like a preacher, sound like a preacher. I don't want to just look like a Christian, sound like a Christian. I don't want to be the standard oil company's float that's sitting in the middle of the highway out of gas at the most critical time when it matters most, when the whole world is watching. I don't want to sputter to a stop when I've been called on. The truth of the matter is this. You don't need to commit great sins in order for us to destroy our soul. Just simple neglect will take care of that on its own. So for everyone who decides to actually turn and walk away from the Lord, for those who said out loud, I'm cashing it in, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm walking away and I will never be back. For everyone that decides to do that, there are hundreds that just drift away on their own. They made no bold proclamation. They didn't shake their fists in the sky. They didn't curse God. They didn't curse people around them. They just decided to drift. 
not realizing that the ocean of life is full of currents, any any one of which can pull us away from the perfect will of God and certainly can pull us out of the reach of safety. I also understand the power of life-altering moments. Amen. Those life-altering, those change points in life that can come and jar us and shatter us. I understand that those things can happen to all of us, but I'll tell you that there's something that's far more dangerous than life-changing moments, and that's just drifting. It's the drift that ruins men, moral men and women have gotten into immoral situations because it was the drift that just caught them. The drift of a religious world. We can have the trappings of religion but yet not be really dedicated and sold out to the call and the cause of God. The drift of old habits and the drift of old associations. We can just let that come back in our lives a little bit here and a little bit there. The drift of our own corrupt nature. Jeremiah said, don't trust your heart Amen, it is deceitful, it's wicked. You can't trust your heart. You can't go by, if it feels good, do it. You can't go by letting your conscience be your guide because the Bible reminds us that our conscience can become seared and things that once bothered us does no longer bother us. And I think that we can say that, if not in particular, I believe we can certainly say that as a nation, there are very few things that make us as an American people blush anymore. The Bible talks about that, those that cannot blush. Nothing shames them. Nothing, nothing embarrasses them. Nothing causes any moment of pause in their life. We can drift to the pleasures or the pressure rather of temptation just little by little by little. The business owner who now shamelessly follows the lowest standard of their trade when there was a time they were honest and their morals were pure and they went beyond themselves to make sure everything was right. Probably a day when they would have not even wanted to associate with the person that they have become now. It all started by yielding to just trivial matters. The pressure of a little bit of competition here, a little competition there. I've told this story many times, but it truly impacted me as a young, a very young man in my young teenage years of, of uh, housing development that my mom and dad lived in at the time or our family lived in at the time and uh, they developed another portion of it later in, years, in later years after we moved out. My, my oldest brother was a drywall contractor and, and he was the one that was privy to this story and as they were building spec houses, many of them were sort of cookie cutter houses, some of them identical, some of them floor plans were just mirrored and so in, in time, the builder was caught. They were pouring the foundations where they'd get ready to pour the floor of a house and they would call for an inspection. And after the inspector left, they would take all the wire that, out of the house, all of the wire that went into the concrete and the, all the steel and the footer. And they would take it to the, another house, that, another foundation, another footer. They'd already, they were saving just a few dollars. Amen. It won't hurt. It won't matter. Just drifting here and drifting there. Just drifting. And we think about that illustration. I felt your feelings on that. <laughs> How could anybody do that? How could anybody? But you see, it probably didn't start out that way. It probably just started out a little here and a little there. And after a while, somebody said, it doesn't matter. 
we can get by with this. And, and you know, when you're, you're, you're just giving in to the pressures of that. And I can tell you that, that anybody that's not in the concrete business is feeling safe right now. You say, he's not talking to me. But yes, the Lord is talking to all of us. Because we can just pull a little bit out of our life and think it won't matter. But it all matters somewhere in the end because there is an accumulative effect of it all just yielding here. But once you give in and we become ensnared to dishonesty, and I don't mean dishonesty just as in stealing something, but we can be dishonest with ourselves because we know alone, we know how much we're praying and we know if we're praying, we know if we're reading the Bible, we know if we're studying, we know if we're spending time in the word of the Lord, we know if we're spending time alone with God in just prayer and meditation. Amen. So if we're being dishonest with ourselves, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. We're just stealing a little bit here and stealing a little bit there, but it, there's an accumulative effect and we're drifting and we're probably drifting much, much further than we ever dare dreamed. Like most things, drifting will take you further than you ever intended to go because it's just so easy to drift. You know, there's just something about vacations that I think for the most part, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think something about vacations that for the most part, you know, um, are, are, if we have any sort of semblance of a diet at all, it just kind of goes out the window because hey, we're on vacation. We have things for breakfast we'd never dream of just having for home or maybe we buy more of something we would ever dream in a regular weekly shopping. And then you get back home and you realize, wow, it all, there was an accumulative effect. Amen. <laughs> I'll go back to talking about concrete. You were way, way more. <laughs> way, way more. I'm going to... I intended to, as someone penned many years ago, the road to hell will be paved with good intentions. I intended to go to church. I intended to get my life right. And so this so great salvation, this so great salvation that the writer talks about, it, the Lord, he is the, the, the Lord of life and the Lord of glory, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is all-powerful and all-wise, and 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 and, and in. This has just sort of been something pressing in my heart as of late that I don't want to just praise the Lord in general. Amen. I don't want to just praise Him. Well, praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise Him. But I want to praise Him specifically. Amen. I want to thank Him. I want to thank Him. Amen. Is this all right? I want to thank Him for bringing me to my right mind to repent. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for being baptized in your name and my sins being remitted and washed away. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for keeping me in my right mind. Thank you for giving me a desire to serve you. Amen. Thank you for giving me a love for your word. Thank you for giving me a love for the things that you've done. Thank you for picking me up and turning me around. I want to thank you not in general. I want to thank you in particular. Amen. Thank you for my companion. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you for my church family. I want to thank the Lord. He's been so good. He's been so good to me, and he's been just that good to you. Amen. I don't want to neglect this great work of salvation because in doing so, I'm rejecting the Lord. I can't just reject part and not reject the whole. We read in the Old Testament of how God punished people for their neglect, and perhaps the most definitive case for God's pouring, outpouring of judgment over neglect is found in the story of the flood. 
just a little bit here and a little bit there. And after a while, God is so angered by the sin of and the debauchery of mankind that the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth said, I repent, I repent that I made men. And so he judged his own people for their neglect Actually, all throughout Israel's history, and many, there are many examples in their exodus, but I think all throughout Israel's history, we can see how God has had his hand upon them, certainly in, in, in many ways, but how God corrected them so many times over their neglect. The tendency of our age is to just minimize God's righteous judgment on sin. Now, in this age, there is a real tendency to dismiss the judgment of God because there is so much emphasis placed on the mercy of God. And, and I understand it is very difficult sometimes to preach about the mercy of God and the judgment of God. And it feels like at times you're on a high wire and you're trying to say that God is merciful and he will and can forgive all things. But there is a judgment of God that we, if we are not careful, we are going to neglect. And so in this atmosphere of a great emphasis on the mercy of God, we can lose with the we can lose touch with the idea of how God deals with sin. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews in our text makes a very strong argument because he said of this age of mercy, Amen, the sins against God are even greater. That's why he said, How shall we neglect? Or how shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And so I'm not trying to add anything to the word of God, but if the writer of Hebrews could say that about the church then, then how much more, as I emphasize in my opening statements, how much more are we going to be indicted? Amen, because it was quite, I'm not minimizing any effort anybody made to be here tonight, but I'm going to tell you comparatively around, speaking around the world, we got here with pretty great ease. Amen, we got here with pretty great ease. Praise God. And some act as though the gift of the Holy Ghost is just such a small thing, but when we consider how accessible God is to man and how accessible we are to God, and I don't want to just keep repeating myself, but we do have the Word of God. We've got it all over the place. We've got it with us at all times. In many cases, we've got the Scripture because we have it on our, on our technical advices, and so we have them. They're right there. They're accessible. A Scripture comes to mind. I remember the day when sometimes it may take you weeks to find the Scripture because you had it wrong in your head and you're trying to find it in the, and now we can just Google it and you're just seconds away from that answer. So we're not without, we're, we're going to be without excuse. Amen, I want the Lord. As I said a moment ago, I want him to know that I appreciate that. I'm very thankful for the word of the Lord. How many people remember maybe the first little digital Bible that came out called the Franklin Bible? Man, we had arrived. Are you kidding me? We had arrived. We would probably use that as a paperweight today. Amen. I'm so thankful for where the Lord has brought us. Amen. I want to, I'm so thankful. I want to be present every time that I can. I want to show up. Amen. I want to, I want to be present. I, want, I don't want to miss a time of prayer. I don't want to miss an opportunity to read some of the word of the Lord. Get it in me. Amen. I want to listen to it when I can because, amen, I don't want there to, I don't want to even think about a day that this word wouldn't be accessible to me, but that's very possible. Amen. I know it's hard for us to rationalize that in our mind, but it is very possible. Amen. But if I never live long enough to 
see that. I still want to have the posture of David and set thy word have I hid in my heart. Amen. I want it, I want it hidden away in my heart because I want my relationship with you to be right. Amen. Here is the real day-to-day danger. And that is the fact that we can get so caught up in the things of this world, get caught up in just making a life. Amen. I'm, I'm not speaking against that, but we can get so caught up in just making a life that in the process of all that, we can lose our passion and our drive for the word of God, the house of God, for the prayer time and for worship. And all, the list goes on and on and on. We can just lose our passion for those things. And soon we're not spending time in prayer. We're not spending time meditating on the word of the Lord. Amen. I, I want to always, and I realize uh, I realize that what I'm saying here and who I'm speaking to, but I want there to be times in my life that I'm not just reading the Bible to f- try to find something to preach. I just want to read the Bible for the Scripture's sake. I just want the Word in my heart. Amen. I, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that that I am studying the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. I mean, you see, things in life rarely happen suddenly. It's just a gradual process. Little by little by little by little. We can lose your desire to study the word of the Lord. We can lose our desire, everybody listening. We can lose our desire to hear preaching that stirs our heart to change. Not just preaching that stirs our palate of listening, itching ears. Make sure every word is pronounced just right. Make sure everything is just right, just so and so. I'm talking about losing a desire for somebody to, pre- to preach the word with such power and passion that it convicts our heart to change. Amen. Commitment. You see, the question that we have to ask is once we start giving in and once you start giving up ground, the question is this, where are you going to stop? Because as, as I have preached so many times that, that the battlefield is the line. No matter where you draw the line, that's where the battle is. Amen. So if you want to be a real cool parent, just set your child's curfew at 1 a.m. And you're going to be the coolest parents on campus for a while until they want to stay out to 1.15. And then you know what you're going to hear? It's only 15 minutes. And you'd be having that same argument if their curfew was 9 Right? All of you acting like you didn't have a curfew and the one you had, you just loved it. That's what we're all acting like right now, but we all know better. We can't be fooled into thinking that that watching a sermon online or just subscribing to a podcast, that's going to take the place of what we're doing right here. Nothing is going to take the place because you're not just listening to a preacher. There's a healthy atmosphere of God. Amen. There's a healthy atmosphere of one another. And these things help bring, uh, these things help bring uh, something in our lives that you can't purchase with money and that's accountability. It makes us stand a little taller, makes us walk a little bit straighter. Jesus condemned this lukewarm mindset in Revelation to the church of Laodicea. He said these things saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. He said I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will, excuse me, spew thee out of my mouth. Amen. Because he said, you're not in or out. You're not on or off. You're just somewhere in this murky middle. And the Lord said, that sickens me. Amen. We we may 
never drift so far uh, out of the usefulness of God. Amen. We, we can rather drift so far away from God that we not only lose our usefulness in the kingdom of God, but we can also lose our testimony, our witness. Amen. And so if God is going to judge unbelievers for their neglect, I ask you and I, how much more would he judge us and chastise us? Paul said to Timothy in chapter 1 and 18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before, on, before, which went before on thee, that, that, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith, and a good conscience which have, having put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. You see, there's only one thing that can stop a ship from drifting, and that is an anchor. You've got to have an anchor. We must have an anchor, and we do. That anchor is Jesus Christ, and, and Hebrews 6 confirms that to us. Many scriptures, I think, that point this out and point out the keeping power, the sustaining power, the preserving power of the Spirit of God. But Jude, right toward the end of the Holy Scriptures, Jude says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. We've got to put our trust in him. Amen. We've got to put our trust in him. So who could ever really thank the Lord for all he's done? I certainly couldn't. I don't even know all the Lord's done for me. Amen. I, I, and it's not just a failing memory, but I don't even know all the Lord's done for me. He's kept me in times when I, he's kept me from danger that I never even knew was present. He's just been an ever-present guardian. Almost anyone in this room could think back to where you were when the Lord reached out to you and you responded. You may have been way younger than you are now, that may not have been so far ago in your life. But when you look at your life then and you compare that to now, we can clearly see that God has been so good. Of course, I don't think anybody would say I'm where I really want to be, but we are so far from where we've been. Several years ago, um, Dan Dean, Brother Jerry Dean, one of his brothers, wrote a song that simply says, He saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. Who knew that, that God could take so little and do so much? Someone once said Henry Longfellow could take a worthless piece of paper, write a poem on it, and make it worth thousands. A machinist could take a little bit of material worth hardly anything and make an article that itself would be worth thousands. An artist can take just a small piece of canvas and some paint and make it worth millions. And God can take a worthless, sinful life, wash it with His blood, fill it with His Spirit, and make it a blessing to all mankind. Amen. Sometimes we see people in their, in their glory days. We meet them at their zenith, not ever thinking about that they themselves had to make their way to Calvary's cross. Some years ago in our <clears throat> one of our section meetings, something that similar we've done here called Generation to Generation, we had to 
all of our ministers and wives, not just pastors, but every licensed minister and wife, we met, and I'd asked Brother and Sister Williams months prior to this if they would allow me to just sort of interview them. And I, and, and I told him, I said, Brother Williams, I said, sometimes people just see you on the platform at the campground, and they, they think that's where you were born and where you live every day of your life. But I want you to just talk to us about your life. It was sort of funny because of our friendship. I'd heard most all, if not all, of those stories. But about how he and his children were coming from North Carolina, moving to Georgia, and they were driving a Volkswagen Beetle Bug, them two in the front and their three children and everything they owned in the car making their way to Georgia. You watch those young ministers especially, and their eyes were just filled with bewilderment because we just meet somebody later on in their life not realizing what all the Lord has done for them and things that they had encountered. And so just one illustration of many that really we could fill in the blank with your name tonight. Years ago, before cargo ships were powered by any type of motor, they were solely dependent upon their sails and the wind and the current of the sea. But there are certain places within the seas called the doldrums. And this is an area around the earth slightly centered or centered slightly north of the equator between two belts of trade winds. The doldrums don't really pose any problem today, not in our motorized world. But the doldrums were noted for their calms. Periods of time when the wind disappeared all together and the currents became nothing. And there have been recorded times of trapping sailing vehicles for not just days, but sometimes for weeks. They've been caught in the doldrums. No wind, no current. History often noted that many times these vessels, much of which, and many of which were cargo vessels, would realize in time that the only way out of this is to start unloading our cargo We've got to lighten this vessel. And so they would lighten the vessel enough that it would just be the slightest gentle current in the sea that would get them back out, not in a storm, but just get them back out where the wind could once again begin to blow in the sail and get them back on course. So sometimes we find ourselves drifting too far from the currents that God has set for us and If there is a natural doldrum in this world, I'll promise you there's a spiritual doldrum in this world where we can get where the winds are not just blowing enough to any direction or the current is not moving strong enough in any direction and there we are just in a frozen holding pattern. And I'll promise you at that moment of realization, we've got to take an inventory of our life and we've got to consider the passages of Scripture like Hebrews 12 and 1 that said, you know, some things are not sin, but they're weights. And I've got to get rid of this. I've got to lighten the load because I'm not going anywhere as it is. Amen. I don't want the Lord to have to, I've said many times publicly and privately, I've never wanted the Lord to have to just beat me around with a bat to get me to go somewhere. Amen. I want to just be, I want to be very sensitive to the voice of the Lord and to know his command. I know some of you are a little more familiar with this than even than me, I'm not that familiar with it, but I, I saw a, a video the other day someone had posted online 
of a man who was loading, I, I don't know, about maybe 10 or 12 or maybe 8 or 10 bulls on a cow trailer in the middle of an open field with just two trained border collies. And my wife and I were both watching this. I had shared it with her and we were watching it together. And it was just amazing. I don't know what those commands were. That one single man in a pickup truck and a trailer in the middle of a field and these wild bulls. But whatever that man would say, those dogs would move on command. He wasn't screaming and hollering. There wasn't a lot of barking and yelling. But somebody just knew the voice of their master and they knew the command. And when I read the caption, I thought, I've got to watch this. There's just no way you could do that. I've seen people struggle to load cows in a trailer when you got corral and shoots and hot shots and everything else. But it all happened because they understood the command and they understood what it was all about and they obeyed. And so it's one thing to understand it, but it's another thing to obey. And whatever that master would say at some point, those dogs would just cow down and stop on a dime. And I'm sure if I know dogs, that went against their instinct. Amen. I want to be very careful that I hear the voice of the master, the slightest, because you see in the doldrums, it won't take much if I lighten the load to get me back out on the trade winds. And I'll be back in business again. Let's stand. Amen. I appreciate the presence of the Lord. I certainly appreciate the word of the Lord. Amen. Can we just love him together tonight and ask him to seal the word in our heart? God, I thank you for the privilege to teach your word again tonight. And I really sincerely trust. That this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.